phone checker, swinging sword lecture, closing down the sector, supreme neck protector, better want him kid, Mr. Mepsa, boiling pot, about to blow his lid from the pressure, too hot for TV, for sheezy, too many wanna be hard, be easy, it's all in the together, going all out together, it don't take much to please me, still homes are never satisfied like the stones, we don't get don't right and see them selling cross Today's podcast is brought to you by FantasyFeud.com, a premier destination for daily fantasy sports. Fantasy Feud offers daily contests for all sports and a wide array of game offerings. Play in their high-stakes $1 million NFL championship or try one of their NFL season-long leagues where you draft a new team each week. Join Fantasy Feud today and get a 100% first-time deposit bonus with promo code 4 for 4 That's 4-F-O-R-4. Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast. Coming up on week three in the NFL, my name is Chris Raybon, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, 4 for 4's TJ Hernandez. What up, bro? What's up, Chris? Uh, I'm excited to get into week three. Week two treated me much better than week one. How'd your week two go? It went all right. Um, I had some kicker issues on FanDuel. Oh man. <laughs> a couple of, a couple of running backs. Yeah, Hawker was ooh, so bad. Man. And um a Choker. couple of running backs. Yeah, he he the Saint and this is this has been a problem with the Saints for a while now with their kickers. I remember last year, I think it was Shane Graham, you know, kept mm-hmm. tempting us as as like a minimum priced FanDuel play and he they yeah. just they just wouldn't kick field goals and they were missed extra points and it was it was just more of the same. In week two last week. Um but before we get it cracking. As always, the music that played us in was Method Man and Red Man, The Rockweiler, off their 1999 album, Blackout. And this song reminds me of my first house parties <laughs> in the Boogie Down Bronx, BX, stand-up, back in the late 90s, early 2000s. TJ, you personally handpicked this song. Why'd you choose it? No, it's funny you said that. That's like it's like the perfect house party song. It's uh it's the get hype to set your DFS lineup song. And for some reason all my favorite songs are always like the shortest songs ever. I think that song's like two minutes, so I only get I have to replay it like five, five times to get my fix. <laughs> yep, two nineteen officially. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we have a great show coming up for you guys today. We will as always, go over our top picks at each position, then we'll discuss our GPP approach, specifically stacking, in our DFS theory segment. But before we get to the picks and the theory, let's briefly recap week two, give mm-hmm. you guys some takeaways, uh, some lessons we learned that we can all use going forward. Now, to start off, I know we got hurt. So his final fantasy point total could have been a bit higher. We don't know exactly what it would have been, but Carlos Hyde, he was the prototypical GPP fade last week. There was a lot of recency bias there with him coming off of a two-touchdown game on national television where he outshined Adrian Peterson. Um, and, you know, for those of you who are... Uh, four for four DFS subscribers, you'll know that I enter a bunch of cheap FanDuel GPPs on Thursdays with different players to see their ownership percentage. And on Thursday night, Hyde was about 30% owned. So that's a ridiculously high ownership percentage. And unless he's the top running back value on the day, he's probably going to hold you back in a GPP. So, you know, when a guy is a chalk play like that, you know, I know Julio Jones was a guy or Antonio Brown, you know, the last weeks one and two respectively were high-owned guys, but and, and they had pretty much the best performances of their position on the week. So, you know, that would work out. Now, if a guy is that highly owned and he doesn't have the best performance, it, it can usually hold you back in many cases, especially if he's not super cheap. So, Hyde was, uh, he was kind of a guy that, you know, I know we talk a lot about contrarian plays and differentiating your lineups, and Hyde was a guy that, um, it was definitely a, a week two fade, and, and that ended up playing out. And he, he was a huge road underdog, which should have been a, a warning sign. Um, did you fade Hyde, TJ? And, you know, do you have any other takeaways from last week? Yeah, I mean, like like you said, uh, the warning signs were there. Hyde was a very obvious fade to me. You said his ownership percentage were 
ownership percentage was high. Uh, not only were they road underdogs, but the 49ers were traveling to the East Coast for early game on a short week of rest. They were facing a Pittsburgh team that was coming off a 10-day rest after playing on Thursday night. Uh, so all, all the signs were there. So I had 0% hide, which was one of the things that worked out to my favor hmm. in week two. And, you know, so like you said, it, it was the warning signs were there. So pay attention to them. It's, it goes back to it's still early enough in the season where uh, we still want to reference that offseason research we did. We expected the Niners to be a bad team. They're going to be a bad team. Their defense is going to give up a lot of points. That's going to take away from the game script of the running backs. Uh, so, you know, we did a lot of hard work in the offseason. It's still early enough we could stick to it. So uh, that was pretty obvious for me. Um, my big takeaways for the week, it's, it's just that, you know, we're still trying to figure out the NFL. We don't have a lot of trials. Um, Vegas is still trying to catch up to what's right and what's wrong this year. So mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for, you know, any individual to know so you know write out this early season variance uh, let these dfs prices tighten up and just just trust the process whether you're up whether you're down don't get too high or too low uh it's a marathon not a sprint so you know just just keep pounding away trusting uh the vegas odds trusting chasing those touches not the points and you're going to be all right Definitely always question and evaluate your process, but at the end of the day, trust your process, especially when you have concrete numbers to back it up, which in Vegas case specifically, they have shown to be extremely accurate predicting game flow, predicting running back production, defensive production, kicker production, etc. So, you know, process over results, keep with it. And, you know, I just want to touch on this. Also, since I'm getting a lot of questions on Twitter, I know a lot of people um, use these guys in DFS last week. The Philadelphia Eagles, their offense, what's wrong with them? I went back and rewatched the whole game again today, and, you know, it's the number one thing is their offensive line has just been getting pushed off the ball. It's simple as that. Um, they're just all missing blocks. Brent Selleck, a tight end in particular, whiffed on a few blocks that resulted in huge losses. Um, DeMarco Murray, I know he has a hamstring issue right now. Um, DeMarco Murray is pretty much the one player on the team that played well. Um, I know his stats are the ugliest of all, but, you know, when he had the ball in his hands, he ran well. Um, he made people miss, but when he took handoffs, it was just... People were in the backfield, and uh, the Eagles are running a lot out of the shotgun, so uh, Murray's not really getting a head start. You know, he he's taking a handoff, and people are defenders are right there. Then Sam Bradford, and this was an issue with him in St. Louis, and I think I briefly brought it up in Week One, um, but he's he's not going deep. He's 0 of 5 on throws 20 plus yards down the field so far. This season, he's, he doesn't look like he's reading the field fast enough. He's, he's a little slow in his decision-making. And then, you know, receivers are dropping passes. So it's just every, every level and phase and aspect of the Eagle offense is struggling right now. And it's interesting because the problems are execution-based. So it's hard to really predict, you know, exactly if and when they'll be corrected. But I would think they'll struggle this week against the Jets' defense. And... After that, though, they have the Redskins, Saints, and Giants coming up. So, you know, I'll be waiting one more week, and hopefully, you know, if they do struggle against the Jets, their prices will collectively drop, and then I'll be looking to deploy them in some GPPs, you know, starting on the week after that that Jets game. So, you know, that's that's just uh, my takeaways about the Eagles because I know, you know, they have been a hot topic of discussion lately. Um, I would not want to roll them out this week against that Jets defense that gave Andrew Luck and company a lot of problems. And speaking of Andrew Luck, quarterbacks, let's get right into it. Week three, TJ, who are you looking at at QB? Yeah, let's talk about quarterback. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about the 
the top price guys because they're top price guys for a reason. Uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, they're going to do their thing. They're both in really good spots. Uh, but I did want to touch on Andrew Luck really quick because I think he is um, a pretty clear GPP play this week. Uh, He's he's had a rough two weeks to start the season, and you, you already talked about recency bias. His ownership percentage is going to be low. Uh, the Colts have only scored 10.5 points a game over the first two weeks, and because Andrew Luck's price is so close to Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, who are in good spots, uh, that also is going to push his ownership percentage down. Uh, but Vegas is telling us that everything's going to be all right in Indianapolis. Uh, they're projected to score over 24 points. They have one of the highest totals of the week, and that projected point total is uh, 13.75 points over their early season average. So uh, because of their low ownership percentage, uh, the Colts, I, I think they're going to be a really nice contrarian play. And, you know, these, these studs can go off anytime. So when they're going to be low-owned, we want them on our, our GPPs. Um, but moving on to, uh, you know, maybe some cash game plays or guys you can play in any type of format. Um, when we look over the Vegas lines, uh, when we look at the projected points, when we look at situations, one of the guys that jumps off the board to me, especially on DraftKings, is Russell Wilson. Um, he's $7,000 on DraftKings, which makes him the uh, eighth price quarterback. $8,400 on FanDuel makes him the fifth price quarterback, so he's a little pricey on FanDuel. Uh, but the Seahawks are favored by 14.5 at home. Uh, they have an implied point total of 29.25 points, which is the second highest total in the league. Um, Bears defense haven't given up a ton of passing yards, but they have allowed seven pass touchdowns. And we know that Russell Wilson always has that high floor because of his rushing ability. Uh, so he's a guy that's, that's really, really intriguing to me, especially on DraftKings. If we drop down quite a bit, uh, you know, we've seen quite a few cheap quarterbacks succeed uh, this year. Guys like Tyrod Taylor, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's he's priced six eight hundred dollars on FanDuel, which is the twenty first uh, ranked quarterback on the site, and he's priced at fifty one hundred dollars on DraftKings, which is the twenty seventh uh, priced quarterback on the site. Um, Philadelphia's secondary is they struggled against uh, the Falcons. Um, they they held the the Cowboys to a low point total, but uh, you know Romo uh, got hurt, and then uh, Wheaton came in and completed seven out of seven passes. Uh, Byron Maxwell has been having an awful season. They I think you know they over it's a guy they clearly overpaid for. I think that that Seahawks defense made him look a lot better than he actually is. We saw him struggle against Julio. Um, and he didn't have a good week last last week either. Uh, Jets are projected to score over 24 points. Uh, Fitzpatrick's been pushing the ball down the field. Um, his his average depth of target is over 11 yards. Only Big Ben has uh, thrown the ball uh, deeper down the field this year. And, you know, the, I, I was saying this going into the season. The Jets have maybe be the best touchdown scoring tandem in the league with Eric Decker and um, and Brandon Marshall. They're they're elite touchdown scorers. They're big bodies. They're going to get down the field. They know how to get open, especially Decker. Uh, they could line up on either side. Decker can line up in the slot. Um, Decker's questionable, uh, so keep an eye on that. But if Decker goes, I think um, I think you can definitely plug these guys into GPPs, and you might consider Fitzpatrick in cash games. Just it's close, um, but uh, but I, I do like his price point. I do like this offense a lot. Um, and then finally, just a guy that I just want to throw out there. Um, Cam Newton is an interesting play every week in GPPs because he gives you a, a unique lineup construction because you can throw Cam out in any uh, GPP and not pair him with a receiver because he always has two touchdown rushing touchdown upside. Like He can score two touchdowns on any, any given week. Uh, Going back to his rookie season, um, he's in the top 10 in rushing attempts inside the ten, opponent's 10-yard line of every player in the league. It's it's seven running backs and then Cam Newton. Like, he, he rushes the ball inside the 10. So throw Cam in there in GPPs without a, uh, without a receiving uh, tandem, and it gives you a unique lineup construction. I've, I've gave him the moniker Cammy No Stacks because you can throw him in GPPs with no stack. So, uh, you know, those are my thoughts on quarterback this week. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts there, if, if you have any, and then uh, we can move on to your running back picks for the week. Well, you know, first of all, I'm, uh, I'm in Harlem right now, and Harlem is where the rapper Cameron is from, so I actually call, <laughs> okay. I call Cam Newton Killer Cam, but um, okay. yeah, I'm all on board with him as a GPP play. I... Tweeted earlier that he um he's 
He's been averaging 12 rushing attempts per game this year. He had 10 in one game and 14 in the other. His career average rushing attempts per game is only 7.7. So it initially looked like he wasn't going to be as successful because of Kelvin Benjamin's injury. But what that has led to has been him trying to make up for that on the ground. And that gives him, like you said, a lot of upside and if you look at his price because prices for week one came out very early cam newton's price has actually plummeted since the season has started and um my good friend jonathan bales he has written about how price drops are actually can be very predictive of dfs value so you know just finding a player when their situation hasn't really changed too much when their workload hasn't really changed too much, but their price has dropped. It'll, they'll usually regress to their mean, and there's value to be had there. So Cam Newton, his price has dropped on both Sandu and DraftKings. His price dropped on DraftKings two straight weeks. Um, yeah. Great GPP play against the Saints. Um, and now moving on to running back. Of course, you have to look at Le'Veon Bell, 8,800. On FanDuel, 7,500 on DraftKings. Facing a Rams squad that has allowed the second most rushing yards in the league at 275. They have allowed six catches to running backs in back-to-back weeks. And Bell's floor is just really high because he's impervious to game script. He's caught five passes in all but four games uh, last season. One of the best receiving threats in the league not just that running back but just period Le'Veon Bell is a really strong receiver um there is YouTube footage of him just running routes and it's amazing <laughs> you should check it out if you haven't already but um yeah so you know he's he's got to be up there as a cash game play and then another stud who should be worth the cash this week is Marshawn Lynch, 8,700 on FanDuel, 7,400 on DraftKings. Since Russell Wilson's arrival in Seattle, Lynch has excelled at home to the tune of 110 yards and 1.2 total touchdowns per game. Now his road averages are a more modest 100 total yards and only .56 touchdowns per game. So he's his touchdown production is doubling at home and... He's at home this week. He's a huge favorite. Uh, their Seahawks are currently favored by two touchdowns. So Lynch should be a very safe bet. This is a must-win game for the 0-2 Seahawks. Cam Chancellor is back. The Seahawks should be firing on all cylinders. It could be a really big game for them. The Bears have been allowing a lot of points to be scored on them. Over 30 points in both of their game so far this season and then for some salary relief you can take a look at Devontae Freeman he's 6,500 on FanDuel 4,600 on DraftKings he's a road favorite in a game that they're playing the Cowboys Brandon Whedon is starting for the Cowboys so it's unlikely that this game really gets away from the Falcons but even if it does uh, Freeman should be able to survive bad game script. He's got 12 targets already this season. He's a very good receiver. Um, he has 17, 17 red zone opportunities already <laughs> through two games, including six inside the 10-yard line, which is is a lot. Now, my one worry with Freeman, he's only averaging about two yards per carry, and the Cowboys haven't been giving up much more than that. So, you know, there's a chance he could struggle running the ball but again his red zone opportunities and his targets and the fact that he should get a pretty full workload with Tevin Coleman out and he's coming at a discount so I think he's still a very strong value play Um, and of course if Eddie Lacy were to sit on Monday night James Starks would be a the preferred play in terms of value at running back so TJ any thoughts on that and just take us right into wide receiver. Yeah, I just want to reiterate on Marshawn Lynch. I, I think, uh, you know, again, going back to that recency bias, people are going to be scared off by Marshawn because he started the season slow. Listen, he's still getting a, a – he's, he's still a workhorse. He's uh, accounting for th- almost 39% of all of the Seahawks' touches, and he just hasn't got the ball near the goal line yet. The, the, it just hasn't set up for him to score touchdowns. 
that'll come. He only has two red zone touches uh, this this year. Uh, last year he led the league in red zone rushes. It's going to get closer back to that. So so don't worry about Marshawn. He's going to be all right. Um, and then I, I love all the other guys you talked about. Uh, moving on to wide receivers after you touched on the running backs. You talked about how Le'Veon is always in play. Stick with that same team. Antonio Brown is always in play. It doesn't like his price. He's going to be the number one price wide receiver, number two price wide receiver. If you can, if you have the opportunity to pay up for a pass catcher, like just just plug him in. He's he's going to be all right. His floor is high, his ceiling's high. He's amazing. Uh, but as far as the the value plays, uh, the guy that just kind of jumps off the page is Julian Edelman. Um, he's priced ninth on FanDuel at $7,700. He's priced 10th on DraftKings at $7,000. The Patriots have a huge implied point total, over 30 points this week. Uh, Julian Edelman leads the league in uh, in targets. He has 31 targets already. I think he had 19 last week. uh, You know, that's just a ridiculous number. Um, The Patriots lead the league in passing. Brady's right around 750 yards already. Edelman's accounting for 17% of the Patriots' targets. He's already seen a third of their red zone targets. He's ran uh, most of his routes come from the slot. I know you've talked a lot about this in your uh, DFS uh, uh, correlation write-ups that those those slot wide receivers, they're really high efficient. Uh, uh, high efficiency plays because they're getting those high percentage routes. Um, so Edelman is a huge part of the passing game, and you know he's he's really going to be a great cash game play. Uh, dropping down just a little bit, I already talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Brandon Marshall. He is seventy four hundred dollars on Fanduel. He's a fourteenth price wide receiver. He's sixty two hundred dollars on DraftKings as an eighteenth wide receiver. Uh, now if Decker is out. Uh, Brandon Marshall almost becomes an, a must-play this week. Um, he's going to be lined up across from Byron Maxwell, who has arguably been the worst corner in the league this year. Uh, Marshall's seen over nine targets per game, which is over 16% of the target market share for the Jets, which is the, the third highest uh, market share in the league. Uh, like Edelman, he has seen uh, a third of the Jets' reds zone targets and you know not only do we want targets we want red zone targets we want that touchdown upside and the eagles actually been pretty good versus the run so uh it's kind of that you know if if the jets want to beat this defense they're going to do it through the air and it's going to go through brandon marshall um a price that i was really really surprised to see this week was larry fitzgerald you know usually these site algorithms account for uh, recent performance and we we all saw what fitzgerald did last week uh, he's clearly like the top receiver in this offense, but he's still priced really low. He's the 24th wide receiver on FanDuel at $6,700. He's the 22nd price wide receiver on DraftKings at $5,800. Uh, but he's seen over eight targets per game. He's seen 15% of the uh, Cardinals' uh, targets. And this often, this is a great passing offense with Carson Palmer under center. Uh, He's, he's just looking Fitzgerald's way. Uh, like the first two guys I talked about, Fitzgerald is getting a third of the red zone looks. And the Cardinals get San Francisco this week, who have given up the six most FanDuel points to wide receivers. And the Cardinals have a big implied total. Uh, Vegas says they're going to score over 25 points. So uh, I'm not sure why Fitz is priced low, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to get him back in my lineups this week. Uh, and then if you just want to take a couple flyers on some guys, if you want to go really cheap, I don't think these guys are in playing cash, but Doug Baldwin and Alan Hearns. Um, Chris, you've talked a lot about the 444 DFS subscription. Something I've been using the first couple of weeks is the stack value reports, and if you open them up for both DraftKings and FanDuel, uh, you'll see stacks with Doug Baldwin and Alan Hearns uh, near the top of those values. Uh, both of these guys are going to give you a lot of salary relief, uh, Baldwin's the top option in Seattle, and we've talked about Marshawn. We've talked about uh, Russell Wilson. This offense is just completely in play, um, and they're going to score a lot of points this week. Uh, Doug Baldwin is is the cheap option here. And then Alan Hearns, um, he might benefit from uh, the, the Bill Belichick effect. Belichick likes to take away an offensive top option. Uh, Alan Robinson is that option in Jacksonville. I, I'm hesitant to play players based on the fact that they're going to be playing catch-up because uh, that doesn't bode well for an offense. But, you know, we've seen that big uh, big playability from Hearns. And if New England does, you know, target Allen Robinson, 
uh, then, you know, Jacksonville is going to have to pass a lot to try to keep up, and Hearns could be the beneficiary. So uh, those are that's where I'm looking as far as wide receivers this week. Uh, Chris, any thoughts on that? And we'll move on to your tight end picks for the week. Sure, and I do have some thoughts on that. But before we get into tight ends, I'd just like to mention that FantasyFeud.com offers one-day fantasy contests for all major sports. Contests start for as little as $1, and you can turn that dollar into an entry in the $1 million NFL Feud of Champions, the premier NFL championship at Fantasy Feud. Last year's winner, Skinny Skins, won the $35,000 first place prize on a $2 satellite entry. This year's first place prize is $2. $250,000. Are you stuck with Tony Romo or Des Bryant in your season-long fantasy league? Do you regret drafting CJ Anderson or DeMarco Murray after two short weeks? If your fantasy team is frustrating you, then there's no better time to try one of Fantasy Feud's NFL season leagues. It's where traditional and daily fantasy collide. Each week, you face the same opponents, but you draft a new salary cap team. The weekly winner gets paid, and the points leader at the end of the season gets gets paid as well. So go to fantasyfeud.com today and get a 100% first-time deposit bonus with the referral code 4 for 4 That's the number 4, the letters F-O-R, and the number 4. Well, it's interesting that uh, you mentioned Baldwin is the top option in the Seattle offense because he is the top option in the Seattle offense, yeah. which is... Which is interesting because they traded for a guy named Jimmy Graham. <laughs> yeah, someone named Jimmy Graham. <laughs> and... um. I actually played Graham in some GPPs last week, and that did not work out well. Um, However, reports out of Seattle this week have been that Graham is very unhappy with his role, and people that have been kind of following really closely NFL news over these past few years will know that usually when a guy complains about his role in the offense, they they feed him targets the next week. Yeah. You know, as we move into the tight end picks, I do think Graham is a nice GPP play. Again, the Bears have given up a ton of receiving touchdowns, and there's no one more likely to get a receiving touchdown, I would think, on Seattle than Jimmy Graham. He is especially a good value on FanDuel. He's down to 6,300. That is actually lower than Travis Kelsey on DraftKings, his price didn't change, but I would think on FanDuel that I'm going to get him in some more GPP lineups this week, get him stacked with Russell Wilson, and uh, see what happens there. But as far as the best values, you know, it all starts with Gronkowski this week. He's 8,400 on FanDuel. He's 7,400 on DraftKings. He's got a high floor, 16 touchdowns in his last 17 games. He's got a touchdown, at least one touchdown, in his last eight games, dating back to last season, including the playoffs. So, you know, there's no more sure bet for a touchdown than Rob Gronkowski um, and watch him go out and not score one this week because I said that. (laughs) But um, the Patriots are projected to score over 30 points. And, you know, there's just a high likelihood that they're going to be scoring a lot. And, you know, that bodes well for Gronkowski. So if you can fit him in, by all means, do so. If you are choosing to build around players at some other positions, you can bump down to a guy I just mentioned, Travis Kelsey, 6,400 on FanDuel, 5K on DraftKings. He's a strong projected dollar-per-point play against the Packers in a game with a 48-point over-under, which is higher than usual for a Chiefs game. And those of you familiar with some of my work on 4 for 4 will know that I measured the week-to-week volatility of each position, and tight end turned out to be the most volatile fantasy position on a week-to-week basis, and therefore that makes it one of the most difficult to predict. So it's best to roster the most talented players um, at the position. There are a lot of players at tight end. They're in that same price range. There's not a lot of differentiation there, so you can't really go wrong with Travis Kelsey, who has been referred to as Baby Gronk. He's averaging a 5 for 82 with a one-touchdown line this season. If you're playing on Thursday night, Jordan Reed is definitely in play. 5,300 on FanDuel, 3,800 on DraftKings. His price hasn't adjusted yet to his 8.5 target per game 
volume, and the Giants are weak at linebacker and at safety. So teams usually attack them with the tight end. For example, uh, we all saw Jason Witten go off against them in week one, and then it was a little quieter. But um, in week two, you know, outside receiver Roddy White got one target. Their slot man, Leonard Hankerson, got 11 targets because he mm-hmm. runs routes over the middle, again, attacking the safeties and linebackers. But then Jacob Tammy got six targets. So Jacob Tammy got six times more targets than Roddy White. Patrick DeMarco, uh, their fullback, H-back kind of guy, got a, a target over the seam. So I would think Jordan Reed, as a high-volume option in the Redskins offense, will get targeted eight to ten times in this f- ball game. And... uh so those are my tight ends, Gronk, Kelsey, Reed, Graham, and GPPs. And uh, let's now move on to defense with Cam Chancellor back. The Seahawks at home have got to be the top defense in week three. What do you think, TJ? Yeah, I mean, if you have the room to pay up, uh, just do it. It's a great matchup uh, against Chicago, who's going to be rolling out uh, Jimmy Clausen with, with Jay Cutler out. Uh, Chicago is only project- projected for 14.75 uh, points by Vegas. That that's an extremely low point total. You you rarely see uh, anything below like 17 points. So uh, you know Vegas is expecting this to be. Um, it's going to be a bloodbath, I think, especially with Cam Chancellor back. So I I really like the Seahawks to you know get home that whole Legion of Boom. They're back together, and they haven't you know looked like the Seahawks that we've come to know last couple weeks. Uh, they'll be back this week. So if you can afford to pay up for the Hawks, pay up for them. Uh, if you want to save a little bit of money, I actually like the Colts this week. I'm I'm not usually on road teams, uh, but the Colts are cheap. Uh, they're favored by three, and they're facing a Tennessee offense that uh, after week one, they look good. They did not look good last week. They've really struggled in pass protection. And anytime you can roll out a defense that faces facing a offense that can't protect a rookie quarterback, uh, you really uh, that that that's a formula for fantasy scoring. Uh, Robert Mathis is you know he, he's coming back. He he didn't make much noise last week, but you know he's slowly going to get get better. Uh, you know they're going to be able to get after uh, Mariota, and then uh, the Colts also have a what, what's that rookie pass rusher's name? He's been he's been making some noise this year too. Um, Anderson, but that, uh, yeah, yeah. So they're going to be able to get after Mariota. So I do like the Colts, even though they are on the road this week, just because they do give you a little bit of that salary relief. And uh, yeah, Tennessee's line has has not looked good. Um, so. And finally, our favorite position in daily fantasy sports, the kicker. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, Oh, and one thing I wanted to mention about defenses, another team, uh, don't let them slip by your radar, is the Patriots. Um, You know, the Seahawks are favored by 14. Um, The Patriots are favored by 13. So... That those huge favorites usually correlate to a lot of defensive fantasy production, and if they are indeed able to take out a Rob, the Jaguars' offense will struggle. And in general, Bill Belichick, you know, he he usually is good at at confusing young quarterbacks. This Blake Borders had a really good game last week, um, so we'll see what happens. But I think the Patriots are a very nice play. They cost six hundred less than the Seahawks on Sandal. So, you know, a team that if you need to save some cash, that's another option. And then as far as kicker, you know, if for the listeners out there that have read my Daily Fantasy Playbook kicker article, you'll know that we're looking for kickers that are attached to good offenses with good quarterbacks on Vegas favorites with high Vegas team totals. And this week um, they're more on the expensive end, but Steven Goskowski, the Patriots are favored again by basically two touchdowns. Their team totals over 30 points. Steven Hauschka, ditto. And then Mason Crosby, the Packers are favored by one touchdown and their team total is 28. So Goskowski, Hauschka, and Crosby should all give you very solid points. Let's hope they do better than Zach Hawker did last week. But switching gears, let's now go right into our weekly DFS theory segment. Today we'll be talking about our GPP approach. We'll 
we get a lot of questions about GPPs, who to stack, how to stack, how contrarian to go. So to start off, TJ, I know that you submit multiple entries into tournaments, as do I, and I think everyone should be as well. I think that's the best way to play tournaments. But TJ, are you using only a few stacks and kind of switching up you know, the core players around them, or are you really diversifying using a large amount of different stacks in a given week? Yeah, this is a fun topic because it's this is a, a conundrum I faced a lot last year. You know, if uh, most of us aren't in the top 0.01% of DFS where we have the the luxury of rolling out 500 uh, lineups, you know, in a given week. Uh, if you're if you're practicing proper bankroll management, uh, you know, then you know maybe you have the room to to play 10 GPP lineups, um, you know, maybe 20. Sometimes I play as many as 30. But even if that sounds like a lot, you know, when when you narrow down your player pool, the the combinations are so there, there's so many different combinations that you can put together 100 lineups if you just like a couple of guys at each position. So uh, something that you know, I still I still struggle with it, but I think I'm coming around a little bit this year. Is you know, do I just say I have 20 lineups? Do I target two or three stacks and just you know pick a bunch of running backs and core players and and kind of mix and match them around, or do I you know go or do I find seven or eight or nine stacks and then pick a core running back group and then hope one of those stacks hits? Because sometimes it's hard to pick that that stack. Um, as I've put more thought into it, as I've I've become more experienced, I I think the way to go is you. Uh, if you really look into hit that big score, which we're all trying to do in GPPs, uh, you want to you know pick one, two, maybe three stacks. If you have you know thirty-ish lineups, you can put out there, and then just mix and match those player types you like because it, it's going to do a couple of things for you. One, uh, if that stack hits, you're going to have it out there you know five, six, seven, eight times, and you're going to have a nice payday, and then. You're going to have a, enough of a player pool and you're going to mix and match it enough that you're, you're going to have a higher likelihood of hitting that first place lineup than you are if you just have you know, three or four running backs and you're mi- mixing and matching it with seven or eight uh, uh, different stacks. Because you know, if, if one running back goes off the rails and you have him paired with seven or eight stacks, you're never going to get that first place finish. So I've, I've been leaning more towards just doing two or three stacks and, and really looking for a, a small group of, of you know, running backs, a small group of, of receivers, and then a, a, just a couple defenses, a couple kickers, and just trying to get as many combinations as I can with a given stack. Um, and if I do have just a few stacks, I can, you know, I can diversify that more. If I say I have um, a quarterback with his wide receiver, I can take that and make unique lineups by doing a three-player stack, adding the second wide receiver to that quarterback. Uh, so you can still you know, construct very unique lineups without having uh, 10 different stacks. So uh, we want to hit that perfect lineup. Chris, how are you approaching GPPs as far? I mean, I don't, how many, how many, first of all, how many lineups are you playing every week in tournaments? And then how are you diversifying your stacks and, and player cores? Sure. Um, great points, by the way. Um, really enjoyed listening to that. I think, you know, I, I personally play, um, I'm on the higher end, I probably play about 20, at least 20, usually more, um, probably 20 to, to 50 GPP lineups in a given mm-hmm. week. So I'm, I'm, I'm diversifying a bit more, I think, than probably the average player. Um, and, and, and given that, I, I do like to use a lot of different stacks. Um, my GPP lineups, because I'm still putting a large portion of my money in play into cash games, my GPP lineups... I tend to think of them as a hedge on my cash game uh-huh. lineups. So in my GPP lineups, every lineup, I'm usually playing one or two max chalk plays, which means I'm really only playing one or two guys per lineup that I would also have in cash. And what I'm doing there is I'm trying to account for fallibility in projections. You know, it's, projections aren't always going to be 100% right. We, me, you, anyone who's entering a lineup – you know, we also we always have to make sure not to be overconfident in our projections and our predictions and just what we think is going to happen because every week without fail, you know, things do not go according to plan. I'm not really trying to find the perfect lineup because 
to date, no GPP winner, I believe, has actually ever hit the perfect lineup. I'm more mm-hmm. just trying to, to score high enough and be differentiated enough to beat everyone else. So, so that's my personal approach. You know, I think it's very interesting because there's so many approaches you can take. Let's say you're entering 20 lineups. Walk us through your process a little more. Give us a little more detail on just, you know, how you're going about those 20 lineups. I know you touched on it before. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of right there with you. I'm just looking for ways to to put together unique lineup construction. I'm not necessarily just – I'm not looking for a roster full of of 1% guys. Uh, That's not going to be a a formula for success. once I have my two or three stacks that I really like, then I'm I'm trying to figure out ways that I can make my lineup unique. Um, I'm I'm narrowing down my player pool. I really like to get it down to you know from FanDuel or FanDuel or DraftKings because you want more more receivers like in your flex on DraftKings and tournaments. You know maybe four or five running backs, uh, and it's not necessarily a just a cheap running back or expensive running back approach. You know I'm just looking for those unique plays like. An example, last week, Adrian Peterson was coming off a bad game. He's a guy that I rostered on a high percentage of my GPPs because the public's going to be off him. So the way that I'm looking for a contrarian play is I don't want players that are just low-owned for the sake of being low-owned. I want players like I touched on earlier. The Andrew Lux this week, he's going to be low-owned because he's had two bad weeks and he's priced the same as two really good quarterbacks in really good situations. But we know Andrew Luck can go off for four or five touchdowns in any given week. So I'm looking for things like that. And then it's really just mixing and matching after that. Once I have my core players and my stacks, there there's not you're you're not you're never gonna feel comfortable putting out a GPP lineup. That's the whole point of being contrarian. It's gonna feel weird when you submit that lineup. And you know, we, we love using these lineup generators. Four for fours is, is it's amazing. Uh, but you know, if you, if you plug in a optimal, a quote unquote optimal lineup into a GPP lineup generator, sometimes that's not the best GPP play because it it sometimes it'll give you a very chalky play. So sometimes you throw it into this lineup generator and you get fifty lineups. Maybe the fiftieth lineup on that list is actually the best GPP play. Uh, so it's just mixing and matching and trying to get you know, a fair amount of shares of players that I like across the board, and hopefully hopefully they're the right combination. I'm looking for strong correlations. I'm stacking my running back with my defense. Uh, you know, and DraftKings, sometimes I'll do something unique, like throw Gronk in my flex because that's very unique. You know, sometimes throw in a second wide receiver uh, with, with a quarterback to give me a three-player stack. I'm just looking for unique construction. Definitely. I think that was a really interesting point you brought up about the lineup generator. Quickly, you know, just to to, to go over the lineup generator, I know I get a lot of questions about this too on Twitter about, okay, how do I use the lineup generator for cash games and GPPs? Again, in cash games, your player pool for the lineup generator, the guys you're checking off to include, you know, should be in general more of those better dollar per point value, the higher projected guys. You know, those kind of guys are the guys you want to get in your lineup generator for cash games. Now, in tournaments, what you can do is you can kind of take out some of the highest value guys and you can switch Mm -hmm. in some of the still good values, but a little more projected to be low-owned plays or contrarian plays that you might just like. So, you know, last week you could have – I know Mark Ingram and – and Justin Forsett were probably some of the highest values. They didn't do too well um, on the day, but you could have always unchecked those guys on the lineup generator and check in Adrian Peterson. And then the lineup generator will now, you know, generate lineups with more contrarian plays. So you can use the lineup generator a lot of ways. You can also, there's a lock feature where you can lock in a stack. So you can lock yeah. in a stack you like. Like last week, I know I locked in an EY Odell Beckham stack and then, you know, built optimal lineups around that. And, you know, that worked out really well. So those are just some ways for you guys out there to use the lineup generator differently whether you're entering cash games or GPPs. But back on topic to stacks, you know, me personally, I usually limit my stack to one receiver. Jonathan Bales has written about this. One, the one receiver stacks are generally the most optimal. They offer the highest ROI. And TJ, I know you, we, we're talking a lot about core players. And, and, you know, one thing, you know, I want to mention is, you know, if, if you are – 
using a lot of the same core players, still make sure to kind of not get all the same ones in, in the same lineup. Because if your core yeah. does fail, you can you can lose out on a big payday even if you have some some good stats. And, and another thing, going back to all right, who do who to really play in, in these GPPs? Because a lot of times the you know the optimal values in terms of dollar per point projections you know they they all they will all make fine cash game plays but just because a guy is a fine cash game play and, and he's the some the top projected value doesn't always mean that he's going to hit tournament value and yeah. um in in a cash game that's fine because usually the hits make up for the misses so you know if you have a lineup of nine players and five or six of them you know exceed value and, and three or four of them don't you usually be fine in, in a cash game then that's the whole point of playing cash games you're just looking to do a little better than, than half the field, you know, get a lineup into that top 50 percentile at least. Um, if you're playing head-to-heads, obviously you want to get it better than that so you can really crush. In, in GPPs, you know, the top projected values, even if they do well, might not always be the top tournament values. And in tournaments, you really need every position to hit. So that's kind of another reason to kind of go off the map a little bit. Um, for example, a guy like Jordan Matthews last week, he was very high-owned, and he had a decent game. I believe it was six catches for 70 yards and, and a touchdown. However, that, that's not really going to do a whole lot for you in GPPs, especially at his price. So, you know, that that's just something to keep in mind. And then if there is... Somebody who I think will be very low owned that I like, you know, then I'll be more aggressive with inserting him into a bunch of lineups. I know you mentioned Adrian Peterson. Uh, I think that was a really good choice of a guy to kind of aggressively target, you know, a stud coming off a bad game who's going to be low owned. A guy like that last week for me was Eric Decker. You know, Mm -hmm. I I figured he's always low owned. I figured his matchup would be very good against the Colts defensive backs. And that turned out to be true. Unfortunately, he left the game a little early with a knee injury after catching eight balls for 97 yards and a touchdown. So he could have had an even bigger day. You know, TJ, who are you stacking? Is it always like stud quarterback with a receiver? Do you like to go cheap quarterback, cheap receiver, cheap quarterback, expensive receiver? Uh, I know you touched on, are you doing more one receiver or quarterback with two receivers? How? What actual types of players are you looking to stack? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm always really hesitant to go into any DF this week with any uh, harder fast rule but when I'm looking for a stack I, I usually just want to trust Vegas so whoever Vegas tells me is going to be a very high scoring offense uh, those are always good offenses to target in GPPs and you know sometimes it's not the highest uh, sometimes it's not the highest projected total sometimes it's the second highest just because you know maybe you have Aaron Rodgers uh, you know, price third, but they have the highest total. He's going to be the highest owned guy. But then maybe you have, you know, a Drew Brees price, you know, price first, but, you know, they're projected to score one less point than, than the Packers. That That's a really good GPP play. He's going to be lower owned, but, you know, it's a stud quarterback where they're expected to score a lot of points. So I really try to trust the Vegas lines and, and just use a little bit of game theory and picking out my stacks and then, it's usually one wide receiver because theoretically uh, rostering two wide receivers in the same offense is uh, capping your upside, although it does give you a very unique lineup construction. And th- they're, they're good spots to do it. In, in really high-powered offenses, uh, you can find spots where two wide receivers are, have two touchdown upside. Usually if, usually if, you, if you roster a, a, a bunch of guys, Guys that score two touchdowns, you're gonna have a really nice GPP day, um, you know. So that's kind of how I approach it. And then I'm just looking for, you know, I'm, I'm looking for running backs again in really good spots. I'm not always trying to go contrarian. Uh, just kind of like with, I'll, I'll trust Vegas and I'll look for those, you know, maybe the second most popular guy. So there's no hard and fast rule to it. It's just trusting the process and knowing that there are going to be a lot of uh, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs in GPPs. But when you do get that one score, it it could make your season. Yeah, so I usually limit my stack to one receiver. As I mentioned, Jonathan Bales did a study on this. It turned out that one stack, one receiver stacks, excuse me, are the most optimal GPP plays. Give you the best return on investment. End up cashing the most in GPPs. Um, I will do a quarterback with two receivers sometimes. I usually like to do it when everyone involved is cheap because then sometimes with these cheaper guys, if 
they score only one touchdown a piece, and then the quarterback has two or maybe three. Um, because of, just because of their price point, they can all exceed value together. And you have now you have three guys correlated in your lineup that have all exceeded value, and then you can kind of use a lot of high upside studs around them to fill it out so that's the usually the time when I go quarterback with with two ride receivers sometimes if a quarterback and receiver are expensive I might plug a quarterback and two receivers in as a contrarian stack because I will kind of figure that a lot of people will struggle to build a good lineup around a really expensive double stack and you know if I have my eye on some really cheap values at other positions especially running back that I think could be shrewd plays you know sometimes I'll do that just to get a really differentiated lineup and uh, another another interesting stack I like to do is Quarterback with their second wide receiver. Second wide receivers are usually a lot cheaper than wide receiver ones. And um, because that second wide receiver is less expensive, he could, he's usually will be lower owned. And, you know, if he if he scores a touchdown and, and the, the primary wide receiver doesn't, it's, a, it's, a, it's usually a big swing um, in terms of that stack. Another thing to keep in mind is, and I wrote about this in my GPP articles last week, but Antonio Brown... And Julio Jones and Odell Beckham, you know, Antonio Brown and Julio Jones were in one in four, one in five lineups. Odell Beckham Jr. also had double digit ownership, yet all three of their quarterbacks were not owned very highly at all. I know in the FanDuel Sunday Million Tournament, Brown was about 26% ownership, whereas Ben Roethlisberger was only at about 4% ownership. So that's a huge discrepancy. If such a large portion of the field is betting on a stud receiver going off, if that receiver really has a huge game to pay off his price tag, then it's a good bet that his quarterback will as well. So remember to not count out those quarterbacks and stacking them with their stud wide receivers but that about wraps it up for us this is dfs mvp daily fantasy sports most valuable podcast presented by four for four football tj my man thank you as always for joining me that was a really great discussion we had Oh, man, it was fun. I'm excited for week three. Yeah, that was a good talk, man. I'm excited to build some GPP lineups. Definitely. So that about does it. You can find my co-host TJ Hernandez on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. And you can find me, Chris Raybon, on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Be sure to check out 4 for 4 Football's all-new DFS subscription that includes the lineup generator, the stack value reports, a ton of good content, and more. Good luck in week three. Let's get this money. I was going to, but we roam. Cellular phones, dot map, back in the flesh, blood and bones, don't condone. Spin bank loans and homegrown. Suckers break like turbo and ozone. When I grab the broom, moonwalk, platoon, hawk, my goons bark, leave you in the blue lagoon, lost. Three nines in the club with Masu, D9 in the club, right behind on the bars. Haters don't touch, way is both up. Now my neighbor doped up, got the cable hooked up. All channels, lift my shirt, all mammal. You ship off 